The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, How much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. Gospel of the Lord. As word of the invasion in Ukraine spread this week, and word also came out about people in Kiev getting ready to resist, I was taken back to conversation I had with my English grandmother. My grandparents ran a floristry shop in London through the Blitz in World War II, raising two small children, one of whom was my mother, is my mother. And my grandmother, who was a force of nature at all times, was never fiercer when she looked me right in the eyes and she said, The more Hitler bombed us, the angrier we became. 
She said, I was convinced that if he decided to invade, the whole of the British populace would have risen up against him. Sort of deep fire in our belly. Something that was felt not only in Ukraine, but was felt around the world this week. Something about what happens when an unjust war is brought on a peaceful people. Something that happens when we all realize that our freedoms and our way of life are being assaulted. That deep fire, that fierceness of Rona, my beloved grandmother, may she rest in peace. Or perhaps she's with the angels right now encouraging all the good things that are happening in response when the world has been so changed this week. What happens when the world changes? And what does it mean? Our gospel reading this day, the reading about the transfiguration always comes at the end of the season after the Epiphany, right before Lent. This mountaintop experience is one of the climaxes of the Christian gospel. And it is rich with spiritual imagery and imagery out of the tradition and strange words coming from familiar folk. And it is immediately followed by Jesus and his most intimate followers going back down the mountain and being confronted by the crowds and being challenged to offer healing. There's a lot of commentary this week that the world has been changed and we are in uncharted territory. Maybe at a geopolitical level that's true, But what I want to suggest to you today is we are dealing with a very old problem, and it's staring us right in the face of today's gospel. And the person at the middle of that problem in today's gospel is, you probably guessed it already, Peter, right? Peter is one of us. He always opens his mouth and forgets to engage his brain. He's always stepping out first, and if you'll forgive the expression, stepping in it, sometimes sinking in it, as he does when he tries to walk on water, if you remember that story. But here is Peter on the mountain, and he sees Jesus with two of the great figures of his ancestral tradition, Elijah and Moses both of whom had their own mountaintop experiences. And in fact, the tradition tells us that this is the same mountain that they were on, Mount Sinai, or Horeb is another name for the mountain. And what does Peter want to do? He wants to set up booths for them. He wants to set up shop. Let's stay here. It's nice up here. We don't have to deal with the madding crowds, and we don't have to look at the road to Jerusalem because Peter knows in his heart of hearts how that is going to end. And what Luke basically says is he didn't know what he was saying. Or another way of putting it, Peter had forgotten himself. 
the story of Moses, most of you know it. Moses leads the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the wilderness, and to the mountain. And Moses goes up the mountain, but he doesn't go up to stay there, does he? He goes up to receive God's word, and he brings it back down. And, you know, most of us, if we're old enough, we know that Charlton Heston scene, right? Where he comes down, and what are the people doing? Well, all kinds of unspeakable things, but they're engaged in idolatry. He throws the tablets to the ground and breaks them. And then there's a reckoning, and then he goes back up the mountain, and he gets two more tablets, and he brings them down. This is how God works, right? doesn't work the first time, try again. But what Moses brings down is the gift to the people, the law, that will give them their identity, that will distinguish them from all other peoples around them, that will give them something to lay hold of as they continue their wandering in the wilderness. They don't get to stay at the mountain. They don't get to stay in the glory of Moses' face. They have to go into the wilderness and they have to struggle. And they struggle for a long time. And not even Moses himself gets to enter the Holy Land at the end of all of that. He only gets to look in. Elijah's story is somewhat similar. Elijah goes up the mountain when he is escaping the wrath of Ahab and his wife Jezebel. The story, if you remember it, is Elijah has just defeated the prophets of Baal in a holy battle of prayer and blood. And he is on his own in the wilderness, and he goes up the mountain, and there's an earthquake and a fire and a tempest. And then God's voice comes to him. And God does not say, oh, I'm glad you're here, Elijah. Why don't you stay with me? We'll just rest here and be good here together. No, God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he sends him back down to return to his mission. Peter wants to escape that. But perhaps even more than that, Peter suffers the same kind of idolatry that we saw unfolding in very real time in our geopolitics this week. It's an idolatry that was very common at the time of Jesus, and it was a belief that the Messiah would be a political figure who would come in, bump the Roman bums out, and restore the ancient glory of David in a military kingdom. Sound familiar? It's not a stretch, is it? This is an old problem for the human family. And every society has a messianic myth just like this. We are the right ones, and we are going to establish a kingdom on earth. And you know the old stories, we'll rule for a thousand years. 
will establish our booths on the mountaintop, and all will be well. And we won't have to mess with the stickiness and messiness of human life anymore, because all will be well. It'll all be good. Peter quickly learns that's not what Jesus has come to promise. And God's voice even comes into the story today after Peter sticks his foot in it. And God says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. My old Kansan thinks there's a subtext here. Shut up and listen to him. You know, follow him. Not your idolatrous notions about being free of all of the pressing madness of being part of the human family. Not of your idolatrous notions of living on a mountaintop and not having to worry about a thing ever again. No, we follow Jesus. But more importantly than that, Jesus walks with us even in the present moment. As we come down the mountain and we are confronted with a crowd and someone in desperate need of healing, what if we think about the boy in need of healing in today's story as all of us in the human family? What if we think about the boy as everyone who suffers in this moment in Ukraine, for everyone who suffers under tyranny at this point, for everyone who suffers on our streets and in our neighborhoods. What are we called to do? We follow Christ and Christ walks with us right back into the pressing needs of humanity, because that is the messianic mission. It's not about geopolitical domination or great armies or the perfect government or even the perfect society. It is about us out there with the people we are called to serve. That's where Jesus leads his closest followers. And what's even harder for us is that they are back on the road to Jerusalem. And as I said before, that's what Peter knows in his heart of hearts. He knows where that's going to end up. And this is how we open Lent this week. Back on the road to Jerusalem. Our human lives are filled with struggle, suffering, and yes, even death itself. And the only way the true messianic mission will work is to move through that. Not to stay on the mountaintop and avoid it. Not to try to jump over it. Not to grasp the control and try to prevent it but to move into it with loving and open and compassionate hearts. 
to offer ourselves, as our tradition says, as a living sacrifice with Christ, who has promised us one thing, to be with us every step of the way. Full stop. Because it is only that way that the true messianic mission comes to its fruition. And that is a mission where death itself is defeated. Where new life can begin. And where God's glory can be fully disclosed for all that God loves and has made. You, me, and everyone and everything else. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Thank uh-huh.